Welcome to the Movements Podcast. I'm Steve Addison. This is the first in the series recorded at a community of practice in Sydney in April 2013. In this first podcast, Jeff Sundell looks at the importance of a reproducing gospel presentation in order for any movement to get to second and third generation disciples and churches. So, overall, one simple reproducing gospel presentation has to be given to every new believer, right? Um, and in the midst of that, there's two things they got to catch. they got to catch content, and they got to catch process. And so this, this is the first thing that kills growth, is either this content is mismatched, too big, 72 lessons, or you know, too complicated, or it's not enough, you know, and so you're trying to find that balance with content. Process, and again, here we're just going to emphasize this side of it, you know, this this afternoon we're not worried about that first third, but we know that's there, and and we're going to continue to talk about that, but we've got to have that new teaching, and then we've got to have that practice to the point there's confidence and competence that, uh, they can produce it, okay? Um, there was one thing, it was a great question, and just remind me to go back to it. Um, I, the guys I listed here are mainly pursuing church planning movements. But the vast majority of the people I train are not. They're pursuing what I would call disciple-making movements. And, um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's a little different. But we, we ought to make sure we remember to talk about it because I, I can't convince Bap, all Baptist churches to start churches that meet in homes. Some will, but the vast majority, no. I mean, at best, I might get them to multiply a Sunday school class or a life group or a home group, but I do want to change the DNA. So just remind me sometime, we'll go back and talk about that because right now that's where the majority of my training time is spent is, is sort of with that disciple-making movements versus church planning movements. And and I don't know what that's going to do to generational growth personally because that's not my background or my experience. So, so Tim, you want to... Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah and, it, and here's what I want you to do because we're then we're going to, after this, we're going to go out and I'm going to just say, take advantage of the grounds. There's no sense staying in this room. So I want you to... We're going to get in groups of three. Maybe Steve will have us number off or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, we want to essentially ruthlessly evaluate one another. For process especially, but also do you feel confident and competent when you walked away that you could use this tool? Um, because if you don't feel confident and competent you can use that tool, what's a new believer going to feel like? And, and again, I would still say we're sometimes, we're the biggest hindrance here because we want to make things too complicated or we want to, you know, we want to add something to it. Um, or you're too creative. Um, and then the other one, I'd say, just off the top of my head, some of you are gifted evangelists, um, which is really awesome, but sometimes you're very hard to reproduce. So as a gifted evangelist, you've got to find ways to boil what you're doing down for the other 90% of us who are not. And so it's, a, it's, it's great, you're gifted. Praise the Lord, you can win, you can use a hundred different methodologies to win people to Jesus. I can't, you know. I, evangelism's work for me, hard work. And, and I do it because I know I'm commanded to do it, but I'm not, I'm not real good at it. I just do it out of obedience, and I just pray and Jesus turns me into a fisherman of men. 
you know, but anyhow, the majority of folks are like me. Uh, this is work, and, and we're learning. So you got to think, I'm the guy in the room you're trying to train. Let, let me ask you, um, what you, the one presenting your gospel presentation, and you're working through process, content, what were you, what was your takeaway, the person who was doing it? Any, any things you learned about yourself in the midst of trying to do this amongst contemporaries, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Any, anything you picked up or learned? Yeah. It was very affirming to have the group listen and take seriously what I was doing, and they were very, very gracious to me. Yeah, affirmation, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. Encouragement, affirmation. Yeah, I realize the way I've been doing it. Being envisaging grandchildren. Okay. So thinking about while I'm sharing with a person and then saying, well, you know, I want you to be able to show someone else how to do this as well mm. in my mentality. So when I'm thinking about, you know, I've got to get a hold of God's love mm. so they can share God's love with someone else that can do that as well. Yeah, so something conceptually you know, but yet you yeah. sort of hadn't really. Gotten to where you want after the grandchildren. Good. Yeah. Wow, that's a huge takeaway because that's, uh, that's the only way we get grandchildren is what? we got to ask for them. And so you got to ask for them. So good. That's great. Great. Other takeaways? I guess I should be collecting these. What else? Y'all just look like you ate palm um, bod. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. With chili. No, they say dalbot. We would say botlagio, which means you're feeling wiped out after. Uh, what? Any? Any other? What's? What did you learn about yourself, or learn about your presentation process? Tend to sort of mix things up, so I have a few presentations in my head and sort of create some hybrid as I go. So I think that thinking about that grandchildren thing, just having a really simple thing, like at, before I go into conversation, mm. exactly what method I'm using, I guess, and then looking to train using that method to train them in it as well. Yeah. So just simplicity. Yeah. So simplicity. Yeah, that's, that's a good one to definitely take away is simplicity. Yeah, I think I, I feel the same. But I really need to be very clear mm. communicating. Simple. I'm going to add clear in there because that's good. So we well, I think mm. reflecting back onto your own story, um, so if you can find some connections in your gospel presentation, you know, mm. in an environment where you've probably shared your own story, yeah. um, so that's what, you know, you, you've heard me before, that's what happened in my life, you know. Yeah. Um, so you kind of try to connect this stuff you're talking about from the mm. Bible to... <laughs> you bought it, Jeff. <laughs> well, it said don't touch the ends, but... Yeah, I, I, I love that, because that's, I, I, that's the way the gospel came to me, was somebody... I did Somebody did the bridge with me, and they shared their story in the gospel through the bridge, and that's sort of the way I do it now, too. So, uh, connecting the gospel um, to your story... Um, I guess the thing I like about it, it feels authentic or 
it's pretty natural to do it. Is it easy to transfer, though, when you do that? Is it transferable? I think it is. Um, just, and I have a way we do it. Um, I, we haven't modeled the way I did, but anyhow, we have a way we do it where we help them work through the gospel presentation using the bridge illustration, and they would share just examples of how they attempted to get to God. And we we'll still walk through it. still like sharing Jesus without fear. But um, anyhow, I'm not going to go into how. I, I just think connecting your story to the gospel is a good thing because it comes very natural. Yeah, uh, for other folks to do and that. I think it, I think it then allows people to, you know, Romans, Romans ten, if you confess with your mouth, blah 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 blah. But it, it allows them to connect. Oh, so that's what you did mm-hmm. when you, yeah, when you became a Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it just makes it more living. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ made a comment about my presentation that actually hurt me. Oh no! <laughs> Would he hurt you? <laughs> he said. What did I say? Uh, when Dave asked questions, uh, instead of asking the question back, I just jumped in and mm. you know started explaining. When in actual fact, I thought I did a pretty good job of asking more questions, <laughs> which makes me realize I still have a long way to go. I thought I'd been almost fully converted, but I'm hopeless. Mm. And I, and I actually do think I do a pretty good job of asking questions, but I realized he didn't think I did a very good job at all, which tells me that's probably the reality, not what my perception is. So I, I need to get do some more work on not jumping in to try to solve every crisis that they're having an understanding, but putting it back into their lap and say, well, what do you think it says? Because that will help them with self-discovery, won't it? Absolutely. And, that, and, that, and again, I, I think I do a pretty good job, so I'm yeah. pretty hurt. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of reality therapy for me, Jay. Well, I, I just want to say, Tim, when you said there's ten places in the New Testament, this is the thing I remembered, there's ten places that tell us where Jesus has risen from the grave, that's a new idea for me, and I was encouraged to hear that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm struggling with the um, uh, authenticity in some way, in that mm. I know... Um, that when I'm sharing the gospel, I use a, a range of ways, and mm-hmm. I'm not happy with just one way. Mm-hmm. And yet, I feel like I need to teach people a simple way. And so, I struggle at times with the sense of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm telling you to do it that way, but I know I actually don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just wrestling with that a little mm-hmm. bit, and I guess I know I need to really yeah. deal with the moment. If, if you were running, you know, Oscar, you know, Oscar. Professional football player, how would you train? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm about to say. It's like, it's I know the rest of the Yeah, I've got a web at just beginning, but still I struggle with it. You know, I, yeah. I need to be authentic in all that I do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell people to do something that I don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I've had to do is I, I use 90% of the time exactly what I've demonstrated because yeah. I know the way I'm training is I'm with people. Yeah. So I want them to assist and watch me doing it, and I want to watch them do it. So I think one of the realities is whatever you're going to train people with, you need to be comfortable to use that yeah, yeah. and stick with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a time down the road to build a toolbox for somebody. It's just when they first come to Christ, and you're in this very first couple weeks, they don't need a toolbox. They really just, you know... And some people don't like this, but this is the way I'll just put it. I, I mean, as straight up as I can, 
you tell a baby what to do. And you've got to tell a baby what to do. You know, they're a babe in Christ. This is what you do. That's why Jesus gave commands. Now, what we want to say as mature Christians, we say, be who you are in Christ. Now, what does that mean to a baby in Christ? Nothing. He has no idea. He doesn't know Jack. He doesn't know who he is in Christ. The way he learns to become who he is in Christ is early on you tell him and you give him the commands of Jesus. Now, in between, there's a messy period. <laughs> you know, so first you're sticking a bottle in their mouth and you're telling them, eat, you know, and, and they're eating. Then they're picking up a fork and they begin making a mess. But then they become who they are in Christ. And so, but a lot of times, this is usually where Christians, we superimpose to a baby, be who you are in Christ, right? So in your scenario, yes, it makes sense to have a toolbox, and because of who I am in Christ, I can, I can have different ways I do things. But a baby, again, they're sort of back here. And I think that's, that's the hard, that's where we lose this, is because we, you know, there's maturity of being who we are. Versus, another illustration is um, bicycle riding. And I, and I probably shared this with some of y'all, but I hate aerobic exercise. I absolutely despise it. It's just the worst thing in the world. Running, I just saw no reason for it. I hate it, you know? And so I hate to run, but I need to run because I'm a fat man. Now, I'm not going to run, but I'm going to ride a bicycle. Well, the first couple of weeks when I ride a bicycle, the only way I ride a bicycle is if somebody calls up Jeff and says, Jeff, we're going to ride bicycles. And I go, oh, I really don't want to get out of bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's 104 degrees this morning. I don't want to ride my bicycle. Jeff, get out of bed. And so if I agree with two or three people, I'll, I'll get out of bed for six weeks and do that. Now, when I hit six weeks, what happens? I got my lungs. And all of a sudden, I enjoy bicycle riding now because I'm, I'm, I've got that capacity. But I really needed somebody here just sort of hammering me away. And, and that's, I think that's where this confusion, especially on the second generation, comes. Is we're over here looking back and we're saying, just become who you are. And, you know, but they don't know who they are. Now, there comes a time where we, you know, positionally, we know that we need to know who we are in Christ. You know, and that'll come. That's that's maturity. That's meat. But Hebrews uh, six one and two says what? These basic things do them. And once you've done them, you know, then don't go back to the bottle. Let's stick over here and meat. But we got to just be careful as meat eaters not to superimpose to a babe in his milk. And, and anyhow, I think that's the tension that really it's it's what wipes this out. You know, because I had a young guy give a big speech to a new Christian the other day about being a Christian, being a, be who you are in Christ. And I, I said, Brandon, I said, are you nuts? I said, he has no idea what you just said. <laughs> how, how can he be who he is in Christ? He's, he's been a week, he's a babe. He knows there's, there's, he's a girl, he hasn't grown into that. And that's why Jesus, you know, he's, this is milk, this is meat. So, anyhow, that's. My little soapbox on that. But that's the thing that's really hard for us who've been in the faith a long time. It's because we are being. And because of being, I can present the gospel in many ways. I can disciple in many ways. 
Um, there's things I can handle that other folks can't handle. But i got to think about this babe, and he just needs a bottle, and he needs one way to do things at first. And, and I think that's the hard thing that all of us battle, because it seems a little too simplistic, sometimes misses the sense of authenticity. But if you give a babe a tool, and he goes out and uses it, I don't think he's worrying about it being authentic. You know, he's, he's just like, wow, I just got saved, and I'm going to go tell my mates, or my, you know, I'm going to go tell them. And, and I don't think they're thinking about the way we do. You know, so anyhow, that's just my, it's, I think that's very hard for us to separate that's a, out. I really like those, I'll, I'll, I'll package this more, less bluntly. <laughs> <laughs> I really like those three questions, because I've never really formalized that sort of thing in my head, but I, I reckon you almost need to give an instruction followed by a question for that very reason. God's just forgiven you, how are you feeling about it, you know, or... So, you know, I think the second one was where my attention went because I really reflected on myself. The fellow who led me to Christ, he, he said something like, you need to tell somebody about this. This is fantastic what you've mm. done. So mm. it's, you know, it's sort of like a command. And mm. then, who can you tell? Mm. Uh, you know, and maybe the third one. You need to you now get together and get into the Bible and find out, discover mm. what God's planned for you. When can we meet? You know, so you're sort of almost tr- treating them in that. Yeah. Pull out that Oikos list. Make your list of your friends right now. I want you to go share. Here's what you're going to share. I'm going to tell you what to share. You know, and, and that's literally, I, I, you know, I'm just, you got to handle it that way. I don't really know how else. They don't have a plan B. And if they have plan B, they have confusion. Yeah. Normally. And, and that's why you just want something that is again, going to work in the average community. Uh, I think it's why Bible stories have worked so well in the discovery uh, setting among rednecks is we're storytellers. You know, we, you know, hey, I caught a fish this big. You know, it was really this big, but, you know, it was this big. But, um, you know, so it's very natural uh, to sort of take that bite-sized chunk and pass it on. Any other... Um, I was just going to say on that um, thing that John raised there, um, we say, look, when you're an accomplished musician, you can improvise with the jazz. You can yeah. play any bit of... You know, you can really create some great music. When you're a beginner, you've got to learn your scales. So well, let's learn your scales, yeah. and when you're accomplished, you play the complex jazz. So teach everybody their scales. That's the mm. analogy. Yeah. So, Jeff, but isn't, like, isn't the T4T kind of paradigm that we shouldn't do anything ourselves that's complicated because we're modelling complicatedness? Yeah, if I think yes, with new believers. But now let me give you an example, though, where I would you know say there's a time. Um, like I've been working with Muslims lately and trying to learn, and I've never seen a movement among Muslims, so this is all a learning curve for me. So, and really, the only thing that changes mainly with Muslims is the bridge, and then I make some adjustments in the gospel. I'm actually pretty confident on the gospel side of things. The bridge has been a bit of a learning thing for me. So I was given a go with an Iraqi guy from Mosul. And so I just, I went and I did the camel method with him. And what I found was it was, the language was a complication. I also learned that he had learned an apologetic for the camel method. And so he was trying to convert me using my own method, you know. And so I turned around and... Did you have a crisis of faith? No, I did. I, I, I turned around and I pulled out another method. And so I pulled another bridge out, which we call the five pillars. 
And I just began going through the five pillar question, which just, I said, hey, I'm, I don't know a whole lot about Islam, but what are the five pillars? I said, I, there's one, something about, you know, Allah, and you confess Him, and Muhammad, and I said, explain <coughs> with more of that. And then I just began, I, I sort of pulled out of the toolbox another tool, because I wasn't sure, I really didn't know what was working. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did have Brandon with me, and I had another guy named Jeff with me, and so the good thing is they picked up another co- couple tools out of the toolbox that day because they were able to reproduce what I did. But again, we're just sort of trying to figure out right now how do we bridge and get a conversation going with Muslims. In the end, we got in John's house and began a discovery Bible study um, through that. So I was trying to be as simple as possible, but it was really good I had an extra tool in my toolbox. Yeah. So I think it just depends where you're at. You know, for the, the context I was in, it was good I had another tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. And then we went into a creation of Christ that had the three core bonds. And, and in the end, there's no doubt in my mind, this Iraqi guy had a question mark in his mind. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't confess he was a sinner the whole way through the five pillars. In the end, he's going, man, maybe I am a sinner. And I don't have a solution. And so that's what opened him up. He actually, actually invited himself to church. I said, no, he ain't coming to my church. Um, they, they might shoot you. That would be one time there'd be an exception to shooting four-legged animals. They're, we're a little, they're a little prejudiced over where I live, especially against Muslims. Can you summarize that? Um, five, quickly tell us what the, the tool was. Five, I, five I just put the whole... Is that the thing with John? Yeah, yeah. The whole the things on the blog... Oh, is it okay? The okay. whole the account you wrote up, I just yeah. posted it on the blog. And do you have a document we could send around? I do have an. Ado- I have a one-page document I okay. could send you. But the only thing you're really asking is: Does anybody know the five pillars of Islam? What are the five pillars? I confess that God is one, and Allah is His prophet. Okay. Uh, alms giving. Alms giving. Uh, praying, praying five times a day. Mm-hmm. The Hajj pilgrimage. Uh, um, and the other one. What's the other one? Very poor. Yeah. Oh, Ramadan. Yeah, yeah, Ramadan. So essentially, I ask, I, I ask them to explain to me the pillars, and so I would just say, "Hey, what's the first pillar?" And so you'd say, "I'm going to confess Allah that He's one God, and the, and I just ask him now, Steve, have you done that every day of your life?" And so John, I'll just use John a little bit to you, but John says, yes, I have absolutely done that every single day of my life. And I said, now, if somebody didn't do that, John, what would that be considered in Islam? And he said, oh, that's really bad. That's a big, big sin. I said, wow, John, that's interesting. Cool. I said, now, John, what's the second thing? And uh, I think we did, um, I'm trying to think what he told me second. I think it was prayers what he did that day. And so I said, John, you know, I, I said, John, do you pray every day? He said, yeah. I said, John, have you ever missed prayers? Oh, absolutely never. And then he goes, dang, I was out to eat with y'all and I forgot to pray. <laughs> and then he said, well, Allah understands. You know, that was his sort of. And I said, well, John, I said, if you, if you miss a prayer, what is that? And he said, well, it's sin. I said, well, did, uh, John, did you just not sin this morning? No, no, Allah understands. You know, I was with the infidels trying to convert you or something. I'm not sure what he was thinking, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't say he was a sinner there. But again, it was just asking questions of him. And then the third thing, I asked him, um, we asked about Ramadan. I asked him, did he ever cheat on Ramadan? And this was real loose, fun. We were not in your face, anything like that. It was just a fun conversation. 
And he said, yeah, when I was a little boy, I cheated a couple times, you know. And I said, was that sin? He said, well, I'll understand. So I'm, a, I'm a poor boy, so it's, I'll understand. <laughs> and so we just kept walking through that. Um, we got to alms. I asked him if he gave alms. He said, no, I'm poor. All understands. And, um, and then we went to the last one. I asked if he got to Mecca. He said, no, he said, I'm poor. I can't go to Mecca. I said, well, you know, if, if you don't go to Mecca, isn't that sin? And he says, uh, Yes, but all understands. And um, and then we went back to the three korban, and I asked him how many times did Hawa, or um, Adam and Eve, how many times, how many mistakes was Adam able to make before he got thrown out of the garden? And he said one. I said, I said, John, have you ever made one mistake? Have you made more mistakes than Adam made? And he's, you know, and he, he finally, I think, a little question mark came in his mind, and um, he would never confess he was a sinner. It was really interesting. We could not pin him down on that, although it was clear he was, but he wouldn't confess it. Um, so anyhow, it's just one. It was just another tool in the toolbox because the camel, uh, he'd obviously been taught an apologetic for the camel, and so he was able to refute it quite well. Um, and so that's why we switched to that. So anyhow, I, I, that would be my only. You know, but the average person I'm taking out is not. If I reach a Muslim, who's he going to immediately begin reaching? Other Muslims. He doesn't need a. He doesn't need a bridge. And um, usually in in Islam, you go to your uncle. Is in, at least in South Asia, your uncle's the safe person you can confide with, especially for ladies. Ladies can share with their uncle and. Whatever she tells him, he cannot tell her father. So she can share her testimony of the gospel with him, and he's a safe place. So there's sometimes there's cultural things built like that into a system. That's so. amazing. We just had an Iranian woman converted whose uncle told her, if you come back here, I'm going to put you in. It depends which uncle. Yeah. Um, well, I just thought that if that's the concept... the same thing. Yeah, and I, 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 I put it that was South Asia. I know in South Asia, I don't know about Iranians, but South Asia is is the uncle is a safe place, the safe place to talk to. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't know in Iran. Um, any any last takeaways or um, discoveries? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, as I was doing that, I realized I've actually been learning how to teach people by doing this teacher tea stuff. And I don't know if, I mean, I've learned how to teach probably from you, Dave, and from others, but definitely from following the Holy Spirit, I'm learning how to teach. So, Oh, yeah, no, and that's huge. The Holy Spirit, no doubt, is the one who speaks through us and teaches us. Good. Good. We, we were just asking for y'all walked in. Any takeaways as you did this? What did you learn either about your presentation or learn about yourself or learn about the process? Was there anything that you learned about the process, presentation, or yourself as you were doing it? 
say, I don't usually um, rock up to people and share Jesus without fear. I don't usually do that on, you know, on the streets or whatever. But um, John did it with me, and actually, I, I thought it was really good. John. Yeah. Oh, Bob. Sorry, oh. Bob. Oh, sorry, Bob. He looks like it. And I just thought if I wasn't a Christian, I'd sort of, I'd really held back on it because I thought it was a bit too pushy, you know. And I thought, no, nah, I think I'll, I'll, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. Maybe I can, you know, short, yeah. Short, yeah, do it as a shortcut. Well, get kind comfortable. Of thing. Yeah, I think that's right. Get comfortable. I think yeah. that's probably what I picked up is we do have things that we are comfortable with, and I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that it sits comfortable yeah. mm-hmm. is part of how we're made and, and what God's mm-hmm. going to work out. Why did um, she just about fear? So just kind of came up that. If, if someone's really anti-church and it's kind of gone maybe in a Catholic background and hasn't really added to their experience of God or New Age, like mm. um, going through the verses might come over very churchy mm-hmm. um, and be like a negative kind of experience from the verses. Mm. And found the bridge to life, maybe... Um, a little bit less rigid and more opportunity for relational conversation, mm-hmm. but still using the Romans Road, mm-hmm. if you want, um, but gives another dimension to it. Um, also for training purposes, um, I like the Bridge to Life because you can use the um, Romans Road, but then for people, you know, from other backgrounds, you're also doing a visual diagram, so some people learn easier from a visual presentation. Um, but I think I decided out of our group, which was great time spending it together, um, I think I've decided that I'm actually going to use like John 3.16, then the two Romans 3 and 6, mm-hmm. chapters 3 and 6, and then Acts, mm-hmm. and then Romans 10. And I know mm-hmm. that's using three books of the mm-hmm. New Testament, but I think it'll be good training for my new disciples to even access three mm-hmm. of the books. And so that's what I've decided to do out of Ooh. our conversation. Mm-hmm. It's oh. a bit of a high grade of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. That's yeah. training this Sunday that I've got to do. This Sunday I've got to train. Cool. <laughs> so it's like changing it all. <laughs> good. <laughs> I think just, um, like when we're witnessing to people, I think we're looking for people where the Spirit's at work. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lady last year, knocked on her door, she was quite warm and polite, and I asked her a few spiritual questions. As a result, I started sharing my story. She quickly identified because she was Roman Catholic background as well as I am. And my story was about knowing about God, but not knowing God personally. And she's going, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, I know what you mean. And then I said to her, I said, uh, hey, tell me, has anyone ever taken the time to carefully explain to you the good news of Jesus from the New Testament? And she said, well, I go to church most some... No, not really. (laughs) And I thought, well, she was honest. And so I think that's what we're looking for, you know. So so I, I still think, you know, that... Yeah, I mean, if they're not willing to be honest about that kind of stuff, like, mm. I, I witnessed to a lot of Catholics, because there's a lot in Australia, 
and I find, you know, I was a Catholic, was very open and searching. Yeah. So I got a lot of faith that you can win Catholics. I know sometimes people find them really hard, but you're just looking for the person who's honest. And, mm -hmm. you know, if they're not, you can't go anywhere, then you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Hey, and I, one thing I would just say, I, we really want to have the best methodologies in the world. We want to have the best absolute, you know, content as far as the gospel presentation. But I'd also say on the back side of that, it's really not about your content. It's really not about your presentation. It boils down to if God's working there, we're just joining Him. And, and part of what we're doing is we're trying to give a new believer a tool. And is God going to set them up to where they have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody? And that's really what we're talking about. So you got to tether, you know, methodologies are great, whether it's DBS or T for T. Um, processes, we got to have processes, no doubt. But again, we're, we're trying to say, is God going to set up a new believer with an opportunity to use a simple presentation of their testimony in the gospel? Would God do that? Do He do it to the Samaritan woman? You know? And so that's really, you know, I think that's the thing we got to keep in balance of everything we do. The Holy Spirit's already at work, and He's trying to set this person up. Okay? And so... Let me that's what it's going to take to get to multiplication mm -hmm. because that same pattern of having irreducible minimums that are reproducing and a way of training new believers to use them, that's going to flow into discipleship, church formation. And the big challenge we've identified in the room and in Oz is we're not getting to multiplication of disciples and churches to second, third, fourth generation. So the whole shift is about, okay, we're all sharing our faith, leading people to Christ, discipling them, but we're all stuck, it seems, on multiplication. Okay, So that's, that's why we've drilled down, isn't it, Jeff, on just this, because this is a key leverage point, but then you follow through around the four fields diagram and you apply it to all the other things we need to be doing. Yeah. 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 And you still I think it still boils down to here we are, Christians. Here's this lost person or this person who's recently come to Christ and one of the greatest factors that stops us from this guy multiplying is us. Mm -hmm.